welcome to episode 111 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. And today uh, we're going to be doing the second roundtable and it's taken a little bit longer than I'd hoped to get around to doing another, um, but hopefully we'll make up for that with a great episode for you today. And I'm really pleased to say that after a, a tiny bit of a false start last time, uh, from Washington State in the U.S., we have Landon Michelson. Welcome, Landon. Greetings. Thank you. And also from uh, Toronto, Canada, we have Holly Sisson. Welcome, Holly. Hello. And from Idaho in the USA, we have Phil Peck. Hi, Phil. Hey, everybody. So we, uh, it's really great to have you all on, on the podcast. Uh, I've been, you know, looking forward to this for the last few weeks while we've been setting it up. Uh, so I, I'm just going to quickly mention what we're going to talk about today and then we'll get right into it. So Landon is going to be talking about long exposures, exposures, ND and painting with time. And Holly is going to be talking about her new business and shooting families, children and couples with the challenges that come to that uh, come with that as well. And Phil is going to talk about using Lightroom to process his work quickly. And I'm going to then also be just talking about um, not letting the excitement of the location or the subject affect your image editing. And that is, you know, not sort of editing each image individually in Photoshop, but rather, um, you, know, met, uh, you know, going through and actually, you know, culling your images and then leaving in what's going to stay and taking out what's not. So let's get right into it. Okay, so let's get started with Landon. Okay. I was going to bring up a topic that's been uh, exciting me lately. And, uh, it's, you know, I've seen it in images for years. And in the old days of film, we used to do long exposures, not think much of it. You stick the camera on the tripod, you put it on bulb, and you close the shutter, and you, um, you know, let it sit and cook for two hours, and then come back, you know, and do another one. And then the night's over, and you send your film off finally, and you get something back, and then you're either delighted or depressed <laughs> but with the uh, advances of you know digital cameras instant feedback and uh, and instant gratification and snapping thousands of photos it seems like the uh, art of long exposures is uh, being done by fewer and fewer people and <clears throat> it's something that I've looked at doing myself um, and wanted to step into it and look at how to do it what to do what not to do and so I just had a few things to share on that. I'm not going to get into the technical side of those types of things this evening. I will be providing a document that will be a follow-up um, to this that you can um, look through that will talk about more of the technical stuff. I wanted to talk tonight more about the art um, and the approach to long exposures, going beyond the night and going beyond 30 seconds. Because we've right. all seen, you know, star trail exposures, car headlights, tail light streaming along flowing highways of lights, Fireworks are often long exposures as well. Night shots of spinning amusement park rides, you know, long, uh, even long exposures of mountain lakes and ocean shorelines at night. Long exposures at night are pretty easy because the light's so low. You don't need any special equipment. You just need a camera and a cable release and, you're, you know, and, and a point to focus at and let it go. But what about venturing out in daylight and getting creative with long exposures in daylight? That's where I've been exploring. So that's what the topic of this is. Right. So I've been intrigued by long long exposures in daylight 
whether it be dusk, dawn, sunrise, sunset, or even the middle of the day. And uh, smaller apertures are not going to get you there. All you're going to do is get, uh, you know, compromised images. Trying to get to f32 is not going to get you to a long exposure in daylight. So what you need is um, heavy neutral density filters to get the light values down to where you need them to get uh, some long exposures with whatever scene you want to capture, whether it's moving clouds, moving water, moving people, moving subjects, whatever it is. And uh, that's really the topic tonight is to talk about uh, just some of the high points of uh, looking creatively at um, long exposures in uh, other than uh, nighttime situations. So mm -hmm. the, the first image that I was going to um, point to tonight, and we're only going to talk about two, uh, was actually the first um, image that I did um, with uh, a neutral density um, 400 filter. And it's made by Hoya. And it basically stops the light down to eight, eight and two thirds um, from the amount of light entering the camera in one so, filter. Landon, sorry, can, how, how, I, uh, you broke up slightly there. How many and two thirds? Uh, eight and two thirds. It's practically eight nine stops, but technically it's eight and two thirds. So. Okay. But an ND400 um, blocks enough light to start getting you towards, um, you know, minutes of exposure in daylight. It's not quite enough to get you there all the time. You do need a couple more stops or even twice as many stops at some times. But the, the first image that I shot was uh, um, that, I, that, I that I point here in the, sh in the notes and talk about yeah. is... I probably, uh, probably just, I probably should just jump in and say that if, if the listeners are listening with, to the Enhanced podcast in iTunes, then th this image will be viewed. You'll be able to see this right now or on your iPod or whatever. If not, you'll have to go to the show notes and grab the link. Right. So the, the um, first image was taken in the morning. It was a, a um, sunrise um, shot, and it's blue. That was pretty much the, the color of the morning. I didn't get a good sunrise that morning. But what uh, uh, excited me about it was uh, just locking the exposure down and letting, letting the, uh, the clouds and the water pass in front of me on the Columbia River and capture, in this case, four minutes of um, light and scenery passing by. And the nice thing to me about finding this new, you know, or adjusted workflow of slowing down and taking long exposures is um, it, it forces you to slow down. It forces you to think more. It forces you to plan a little more. It, you know, you can't go out there and take um, a four-minute exposure and the light's gone, and then you look at it and go, oh, well, I didn't plan that one very well. So it, it's kind of nice to slow down and, and think more and plan more and get more keepers to some degree than just firing away at, at a scene and seeing what you get. So that's uh, that first image is called Calm Blue Morning. And it's not my favorite, but it was the first one that, uh, that I got in the camera that excited me to keep going. And then the, um, the second image it was also a morning shot, shot a few minutes earlier than the other one. And uh, it's titled uh, Passing Time. And as another example, it's a two-minute exposure. Again, it's water and rocks. In this case, it's a black and white that's been toned slightly blue. And uh, the feedback on this one's been pretty good. And I have enjoyed taking these. And these are just two that are a little less processed than some of my other landscape workflow. So that's why I chose these two. And uh, this image is you know, just shows, again, the water moving by, the clouds moving. And, and uh, it gives a little bit of touch of surreal 
to to the scene and something that I've kind of gravitated to and liking lately. So that's my. Sorry, sorry, I was sorry for jumping in. I uh, I'm just saying, wanted to quickly say I'm looking at the shots. You know, you sent me them to include them in the in the audio, and I'm just you now they are they're beautiful shots. I I love the uh, the detail in the rocks and everything, and then the really sort of silky water and skies and that. It's great work. Great, thanks. I you know I wasn't sharing these for you know just to get. Mm. Um, compliments on them. I, I like feedback too because I, I, there's people out there that have done this for years and I'm still learning myself but it is exciting so I wanted to share it. So in a nutshell you can't get there by you know cramming your aperture all the way down and you can't get there by using an ND1, 2 or 3 that you might have in your camera bag. Um, to get there during daylight hours you really need to get some heavy ND filters probably even more than one. And you can combine them with another ND filter. You can combine them with a polarizer. Of course, the more you stack and the wider angle you have, the more vignetting you're going to have to worry about. But that, that's, a, that's a workflow issue. But uh, that's mm. basically what I wanted to talk about. And if there's any you know, simple questions or whatnot regarding that. Does anybody have anything to ask? I've got a, a couple of things I was thinking. Like I had a couple questions. Um, I guess I've seen you know these, and you're saying they're less processed than your other ones. I was curious on how much more processed, and you did have to get to some of your other shots that I've seen of yours. You know the autumn leaves, and because I just every long exposure I've ever done seems you know less sharp, and um, it takes a lot more effort to get a good looking image at the end of the day. Okay, well that's a pretty easy answer. The the reason why I chose these two is because they have um, fewer exposures that I use to create them. Most of the other landscape work that I didn't link to, but it's in the, you know, there are several of them in the Martin Bailey galleries that you can see. Those were ones that were typically shot with more than one exposure, typically maybe three, even five exposures, just to make sure I've got all of the light values that were in the scene captured on the histogram so that when I come back and post I can uh, merge those together and have total control over highlights in the sunrise, highlights in the clouds, how much exposure I want to bring into the foreground and the middle ground. So you have total control over that. So there is a little bit of hybrid processing going on in most of those landscapes, but that's kind of where my workflow is taking me to get total control over the light values in the scene. So that's why I kind of chose these two because they're, they're less processed. They're pretty much one exposure with a tweak. Mm. Yeah, because I, I actually don't own Photoshop, and so all of my exposure are all single, you know, all my images are single exposures. So, you know, seeing a lot of these that are, you know, stacked exposures, um, you know, I was curious, and, you know, are they, do you have to do that to get these kind of effects, or is a single exposure work? Well, you don't have to, but here's my issue. If you go get a graduated neutral density filter set, you know, you've hard and soft, you've got one, two, three stop versions, you can stack them together and you can align them however you want them. The problem for me is a lot of the scenery that I end up shooting is undulating and I don't like where the graduated ND filter darkens parts of the scene that I don't want darkened. And plus, it's one more thing to keep clean, it's one more thing to keep dropping in the, in the river while you're shooting, it's one more thing to, to pack. And it, for me, it, it just becomes a work slow instead of a workflow. So for me personally, I prefer the exposure bracketing and merging in post than the graduated neutral density. 
Now that I've said that, I have found in my workflow where the graduated neutral density does help with long exposures because if you've got an eight minute exposure and you want to nail the exposure the first time, uh, you might need to use a neutral density to knock part of the scene down because you don't have a chance to do another exposure because the light will be gone or right. something else in the scene has changed. So there is, a, there is a case where they're still usable. But for me, I generally don't use them. Fair enough. Okay, so I, that actually was was the majority of what I wanted to ask. So, oh, sorry I, about that. No, not at all, not at all. Um, so I, uh, I guess Holly, did you have anything that you were? Um, I guess did, I just no, wondered um, when you go to take the picture. Do you have an idea in your mind how you think it's going to turn out, and does it usually turn out that way? Yes and no. There's always happy accidents. But the more of these that I shoot, the more I start to look at the scene and start to figure out what it is in the scene that I will get. And the wonderful thing about painting with time is you're using the fourth dimension. You know, we have three dimensions that we see in front of us, but the fourth dimension is passing time. So it forces you to not only look at length, width, and height, but you start looking at the scene in time. And what's going to happen, you know, during that time exposure? The, ones, the one interesting thing I found is... Uh, this Columbia River that flows right by my doorstep, basically, that I launch down to every time that this, the light's good, capture some scenery, is the river level keeps rising and lowering. So I get my favorite rocks all lined up, I do an exposure, and I go to set up the next one, and they're either covered or, or they've changed. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It really changes the dynamics of the scene. So you do have to think in the fourth dimension and plan a little bit for what's going to happen with the light. And one tip I have is I usually capture the longer exposure that I need with the light that's best because you can't get a four-minute exposure of bad light, but you can get a 30-second exposure of decent light and merge them together. Does that make sense? Yes. So I start with, I start with the longer, longest exposure first and nail that one. And then if I need others, then I go capture them. But sometimes you can get the scene in one capture, but sometimes you can't. Right. And, and can you usually determine that by looking at your histogram that you've caught it the way you need it or... Yes, I always look at the RGB histogram and I look at the channels and I figure out um, how many stops under or over I need to go in another exposure to make sure that when I walk away from the scene that I have every light value from the deepest shadows to the brightest highlights captured so that in post I can merge those together any way I wish. Okay. That's all pretty cool. So I, I actually did um, some, some long uh, exposure work myself, not... It was about a year or so ago. I I was working on um, some shots over out, looking out over the ocean, um, with this like a Shinto gate there, where and I just sort of let the ocean go into like a, a silky sort of mass. And I ended up um, I found out later that I'd I'd not got the noise reduction auto noise reduction turned on on my 5D. But when I when I looked at the images, I did get a lot of sort of green and and blue sort of pix red green and blue pixels just sort of there. And I was wondering, you know, if there was anything that, um, anything that you do for that yourself, Landon. Well, the first thing would be, um, would be to turn long exposure noise reduction on if you're going to be playing around with long exposures. Mm -hmm. the, the people that do it a lot can turn that setting off and do it other ways, and that'll be in the more detailed notes. But it's, it's not a bad idea to, to turn it on and try it. You might want to make sure your camera buffer doesn't drop down in value. I know some manufacturers do that. 
when you do that. So check that if that's an issue for you. But a lot of times you have custom banks, you can set that to a preset in one bank and off in another. So um, that's a that's a benefit too. But definitely what you're looking at is redu you know reducing thermal image noise from your sensor heating up. And the colder it is, the less likely that will be an, an issue. But the warmer it, it is, or the warmer the sensor gets, the more chance you have of noise. So what that um, dark frame subtraction process does is uh, unfogs that pixel mass that has nothing to do with ISO noise. It's just your sensor heating up, and the, the dark frame will take the exact same length of exposure time and then merge those two together and cancel them, each other out. Okay, I see. So I, I have actually turned it back on again now, but I, uh, I reckon I turned it off when I got the camera thinking I wouldn't need it. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I'm going to definitely keep a lot of this stuff in mind. I've, uh, I'm hoping to do some more long exposures as well. So it's all sort of really helping me out too, and I'm sure it will for most of the for the listeners. So, does anybody? Uh, there have... is one got. Ah, there's go on. one gotcha. What's What's <laughs> if that? you turn long exposure noise reduction on, yeah. and you do an eight minute exposure, yeah, you're not going to see your image. You're not going to see your image for 16 minutes. Right. I I realize that. It's doing that whole that, that whole. Um, what is it? What what do you call it? The the negative frame dark of, frame subtraction. Yeah, yeah the dark frame subtraction camera, right? Yep. Yeah. So, but that's good. I'll uh, I'll definitely I'll take a look at your document as well and uh, see what we you know see if I can come up with something myself. And I'm looking forward to to getting into this a little bit more. It's, like I say, it's not something that I've done a lot of until now. So, does anybody have any other questions for Landon? Okay. If not, so let's move on to Holly's topic. Okay, so I thought I would speak about um, starting my business, which I started this July. Um, I actually got my first uh, DSLR in August 2006 with the intention of hopefully um, starting a business, though at that point I'd never shot with an SLR. I'd only shot with a point-and-shoot, so I, I really couldn't be sure if it would work out. Um, I had a friend who saw my pictures and... Uh, had told me, I guess, over the course of the winter that she wanted me to shoot the family. And so I knew I had that. And um, I was at uh, my son's t-ball game one night with my big uh, 70 to 200 Canon lens. And somebody asked if I was a professional photographer and, and wanted to have me come and do family pictures as well. And I thought, well, I, I guess this is a sign that maybe I should get up and running. And actually, a, a point to people who are thinking about doing this, um, I think getting a site up with uh, prices is, is a great way. I know a lot of people have issues with their friends and family want them to come and take pictures. Well, maybe not family because maybe you would do that anyway, but friends. And um, now if people are interested and ask how, how much or what my prices are, I can just direct them to my site and, and I don't have to get into an, you know what might be an awkward conversation. They can decide on their own mm. when they see my prices whether they want to proceed or not and uh, that that seems to work out well um, uh, it's when you first start up there's there's so much that you have to do I mean you have to decide on your what you're going to shoot if you're going to specialize I know there are some people that only shoot children or they specialize in newborns um, I'm doing family couples you know um, maternity newborns any anything um, I didn't feel, I know a lot of people that I've uh, spoken to on Flickr or interacted with on Flickr, they, they'll spend a year 
doing portfolio building sessions. Mm. And uh, fortunately, I have two children, so I felt that, and between my children and their friends, I felt that I'd done enough, at least child photography, that I, I didn't feel that I needed to do that. Though I have done a few portfolio building sessions with um, for maternity and newborn because I didn't have any experience doing that. And, and also I um, had a friend of mine and his wife help me out doing a couple shoot. So um, I think, you know, that's a good idea. I think I, it helps that I have children. And, and uh, I also think that, and I think, you know, Landon can, can pop in here at the end and, and give his opinion, that it's a, a great career for a woman and especially a mother um, shooting children because I think until you have children, um, unless you've been around a lot of children, it's hard to, I can relate to them easily. Um, having been a mother and gone through, had that direct interaction with children, it's, um, I can relate to the mother and uh, I think that children tend to be more comfortable with women because they're usually with women more, they're female teachers at the younger age and um, certainly when I was shooting the maternity, I could speak about being pregnant and we could relate in that way and, and when I went to do the newborn, she wasn't uncomfortable nursing in front of me and I got some beautiful pictures of her, her nursing. So um, I think it's a, a great um, possible career for any woman out there who might be thinking about doing it. It's uh, flexible so you can, you can schedule your sessions depending on what your other family obligations are. Um, but there is a lot to do when you first start up a business. You've got to decide your name. You've got to get your website up. You've, I strongly suggest getting a blog up as well. Um, one of the things that, that I do, and I know a lot of other family photographers do is with their blogs, they do sneak peeks of the session. So they'll come home and they'll pick a few favorites from the session and get them up on their blog. And that helps drive traffic to your blog and hopefully to your website as well from the client looking at the sneak peek and hopefully forwarding the link to their friends and and, and hopefully it mushrooms like that. Um, I think uh, kind of trying to define your style and that, that may be an evolving thing. When I first started, I, I should say I use um, Lightroom primarily for all my processing. I, I do some do take some pictures into Photoshop and, and take them further if I do a textured shot um, or apply an edge effect or what have you. But uh, Lightroom is fabulous and I, I know that Phil's going to speak more about Lightroom but I found at the beginning I was still trying to figure out my style and I would spend way too much time in, in Lightroom kind of looking at each picture and going through all the different presets and changing the settings and now I've kind of refined my style. I do high contrast black and white and I do kind of a pop the color in the color images if that works and uh, that has cut down my processing or post-processing time dramatically. Um, uh, let's see, well, so getting, kind of getting the word out that you're, you're doing this, um, you know, having my children in, uh, my son's in grade two and my daughter's in grade six, I mean, you can hand out your, your business card to all the parents at the school, so that's that's one way to kind of get the word out. Um, the other thing I do, just walking around with your camera, hanging around your neck with your children, people will ask you and, you know, you can say, oh yes, I am a photographer and you can give them one of your cards. I'll even, if we're, if I'm out on my own or even if I'm out with my children and I see a, a family and 
I may even say, you know, if, hey, you know, you, you've got a beautiful child, if you ever think about um, having family photography done, I hope you'll think of me and I, I give them a card. Um, but I'm, I'm content to kind of let my business grow on a, on a gradual basis as word of mouth and, and what have you. I'm busy doing my other work that I do. I do computer work as well. So um, I'm happy to kind of let it build slowly. And um, I guess the other thing I wanted, I sent a couple of images to Martin, to you, Martin, um, just talking about um, making clients feel comfortable. Um, so far, I've had very good luck with this, and most of my clients have been fairly comfortable in front of the camera. I had uh, one boy who, who was not keen on it, and uh, he was a bit tricky. But I find, you know, you just I just keep talking to them, you know, just engage them in conversation, and I just constantly have the camera up, snap, 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 just taking pictures, taking pictures. Let them hopefully get so used to you having the camera up to your your eye and clicking the the shutter that they forget and uh, just get busy interacting. So um, the first picture that uh, Martin might have up is. Uh, my friend Jeff and his wife uh, Krista at a couple shoot I did last weekend and uh, you know they were just happy and interacting with each other um, and when I you know snapped kept snapping the pictures um, the next one was a, a shot I call it an outtake shot because really what it was was the um, you see a lot of pictures I guess engagement shots really where people do this where they have the the couple's hands together extended and um, focusing on the hands I guess to show off the engagement ring and and that's what I was doing with this series and uh, at some point I threw the focus onto them and it was I you know just caught this moment of them kind of laughing and and having fun and enjoying each other and uh, I just I think it's a great shot um, and then I also sent you a picture of a father and a daughter and again I just thought this is a great moment with the father kind of snuggling with the daughter and, and you know just really looking at her and loving her and uh, the daughter kind of laughing I mean they knew I was taking the picture I was you know right there in their face with a macro lens so but um, I still think it, it looks very natural and uh, it really shows the connection between the two of them and and that's really what I kind of strive to, to accomplish when I'm out doing my um, family shoots is just the the natural interaction of the family because uh, this is how they will remember themselves. Um, you know, this is the way they, they really are. And, and that's really what I hope to accomplish with uh, my photography. I, um, I'm going through, Holly, looking at the images. Um, and I, I can totally see that connection between you and your subjects. I think that, you know, you've really captured the moment. Um, you know, the, the, first, the first couple of, of, you know, of the couple... Um, really, really nice. You know, the, the I love the toning and everything as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But you've you've caught them, you've caught them just right there, and it works really well. And the, and, yeah. and the the last one that you mentioned of the father with his daughter, you know, the the look on both of their faces is just amazing. It's you know you can you can feel the sort of the family connection there and everything, and the connection with you. But that's not really, it's not really obvious. You know, it's it's just right. a, a father and daughter having having fun and. Like you say, a snuggle, it's just great. So I can't wait yes. for, the, for the listeners to take a look at these as well. Yes. Well, that's what I do. And often I'll get with couples. I, I did a um, the family shoot that I spoke about, the first family shoot that I did. I was getting the uh, 
trying to get the, the mom and dad to interact together. And I said, you know, Chris, give her a kiss. And, and uh, you know, so you, and, you know, Chris, they get a bit embarrassed. <laughs> but then you get them laughing, you know, right. you get them coming in. And as they're coming apart, I got a great shot of them, you know, coming apart and, and, and just having, you know, smiling and laughing because, you know, they felt a little bit awkward and embarrassed. But, but then you get this warm moment between the two of them. And, and uh, you know, I think it really comes across. I mean, I, I love what I do. Um, I, when I go to the family shoots, you know, I kind of lose track of time because I, I really do enjoy it. And I'm, I think I'm just as excited to get home and see how the images turned out as the client is to see how their photo shoot turned out. Um, I mean, of course, I always want to make sure that I got the technical details. I got the focus on the eyes and, and all of those important things. But catching, catching the moment is um, really my primary go, goal. And, and sometimes uh, an image might not be technically perfect, but if it catches the moment, that's, um, I think, more important than uh, being technically spot on. Yeah, absolutely. It's great work. So, so Landon, did you have anything to add? Oh, I could I could sit here all night and talk about Holly's work. <laughs> you know, I've I've had the uh, fortune of uh, being able to talk to her for a while now about uh, imagery and business and photos and and uh, you know critiquing and commenting and all kinds of stuff. So um, you know, I thought uh, Holly would be a great person to bring onto this um, roundtable. I I can't say enough about her style and her her work. I. I see it, uh, the connection myself in her work with her clients, so it's great to see. And I do have a couple things to add. And uh, I think women photographers have a benefit to some degree because I've shot kids, babies, mothers, families, myself. And I don't know if it's just me, but there, you know, most of the people that I shoot, I end up knowing because I usually don't like shooting people I don't get to know, at least at a cursory meeting. But there is a benefit to, I think, a connection with a woman photographer to some degree because they just, it seems like some subjects are more comfortable with it. And it is something that I have to um, worry about on occasion of how that's um, approached. So I was going to say sometimes that's where it's helpful to have um, an assistant like your wife or a female assistant that can be um, that approach. So I think there is a benefit there. Mm, definitely. I, I, on that, on a similar note, uh, when Holly said earlier, you know, you you were talking about um, about this very thing, and I, although I'm I'm not a big portrait photographer, I mean I I do shoot um, every every so often, but I I don't know again if it's because I'm a I'm a guy and or if it's because I don't have kids myself, uh, but I I'm generally a lot less comfortable um, around kids, although I like kids and I and I've you know, as watching my nephews grow up and my niece and as well, these sort of things, it, it does, obviously, it, it helps. But I, I think that it, it definitely does help, as you said, you know, having had children yourself. You know, I, mean, I, yes. I, was, I was a kid once, but I'm just not very good around. <laughs> it was a while ago, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it also helps um, that people aren't threatened by a, a woman taking pictures. I mean, I'm always almost always have my camera uh, in the schoolyard and you know people don't get upset when I'm taking the pictures in fact my son and I were at the park in the summer and there was a beautiful little girl there blonde hair blue eyed she was just beautiful and I asked I couldn't resist asking the mother if I could take some pictures mm. because she was adorable and um, 
I wish they, they were actually visiting from LA. They were visiting her mother, but they, the mother and the daughter lived in LA and I gave her my card and said, please email me. I'll send you images. And unfortunately I never heard from her, but, um, I mean, I don't know how many women would be comfortable if a man yeah. were, were to say the same thing. And, um, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's understandable in, in, in the world today. That, yeah, um, there's, there's just so many whack-ups out there. Right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, I, obviously, I mean, being normal, uh, it's frustrating. But from the other yes. perspective, I can definitely see, you know, some, some guy comes up asking to take photos of your kids. And it, it's going to be worrisome. So, you know, I think that, you know, definitely that's something that that's it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, there's too many wackos in the world for that to be not an issue. Right. And it is something it is something I have to deal with, you know, when I'm on location, you know, doing a shoot or I want to do a shoot of something. But the, the thing that I only really have total control over is my image. I try to be as professional as possible, mm. um, you know, be up front with people exactly what I want and not try to have any sly maneuvers and most of the time you know at least with networking that I've done people end up knowing me anyway or they they um, understand the situation so I rarely go up to a stranger and say hey can I shoot your kid because it's just uh, it's uncomfortable you mm-hmm. know in it so usually if I want to do that I have to find another avenue to do it I can't just go direct so that's it's kind of tricky definitely for for a man it would be I think yeah, it's a great. Because then they say, well, "What's your business. motive?" <laughs> yes, well, exactly. What are you going to do with the pictures? What you know, of course. And um, I think it helps too, of course, that I can hand a business card and they know that I do this. Um, well, not strictly for a living now, for part of my living. Um, having having a, a you know a card that you can pull out and 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 hand to a to somebody it helps as well. So. Um. Totally on board with that. I, I just, um, I don't know if you heard a phone start ringing, and I had to just go on to mute for a moment as well, and uh, and just tell it uh, or ask a friend to call back in an hour. So sorry about that. So okay. Phil, did you did you have anything that you wanted to add on this? Um, yeah, I guess the only thing I, I totally agree with both Holly and Landon saying that being a man in work, you know, taking pictures of kids, I always feel slightly uncomfortable. Um, you know, taking pictures of other people's kids. And I guess most of the time when I go out and, and have that opportunity, it is with people that I know. Um, my son is in Boy Scouts. He's in soccer, um, you know, everything at school. So the people that I'm taking pictures of know me. And, you know, like Holly's saying, you, you carry your camera with you everywhere. So people kind of get the, the sense that that's what's going on. Um, but yeah, I'm really uncomfortable trying to get out there and you know, say, can I take a picture of your kid? And, you know, mm-hmm. do you want to, you know, have family portraits taken? And, but, uh, I guess if you want to get into the business, you kind of got to jump out there and, and advertise yourself. So, um, that hearing Holly say that it's, it's a good motivation for me to get out there and try to maybe be a little more forceful with, you know, getting into it. Well, I think the thing, Phil, to do is, is if you're thinking of doing it, is to get a website up. You've, one of the things you've got to do is check out um, your competition and see what, what people are charging. A lot of people start up and they charge way, you know, that their prices are way too low. And uh, that doesn't help the industry at all because it, it really gives a false expectation to the client about, you know, what it, what it costs. I mean, the amount of time that it costs to to do the shoot and to do the post-processing and, and for the equipment. Um, 
that has to be covered. But it really depends on your market, what your market will bear. Um, but having a website with your prices up is is a great way to just kind of direct people and say, you know, people say, oh, you know, I'm thinking about doing a shoot. What do you, you know? What are your packages? And I'll just say, oh, it's, here's my card, and, and take a look. It's all on my website, and and then they can get back to me. Um, I, I actually don't really pursue people. I let people come back to me, and uh, you know, because I, I don't want to push it. I mean, they might say, oh, well, that's way too much, or that's beyond what we're thinking about spending, or you know. They may have a, yeah. an expectation in their mind of of how much something like that costs, and and it may be inaccurate. So that that just saves the you know awkward conversations. Right. To have that, I, that I information ha up. Yeah, I did have one other question specifically mm -hmm. for you, Holly. Was you have a very unique style, and and I love your style, but I could see where you know your style may not suit other people. Have you ever mm -hmm. had um, people wanting to structure their shoots and say, here's the way I want it to come out, and, and how do you handle no. that? No, I, I haven't had it as yet. No, I haven't, I haven't done that many shoots. I did have, I have my, actually, a shoot tomorrow from uh, somebody that, I have had one word of mouth shoot, which was the father and, and daughter that I sent, the, of the image that I sent to Martin, and that was actually, the, the father is a brother of a, a woman who I did a family shoot for, so it was that was my first word of mouth. And tomorrow I have a, a shoot with a, a woman that I've I've never met. Well, actually, it's her her boyfriend and her and his three children. She's she's buying him a session or for his birthday. Um, but she specifically said that she loved my style, and she told me that she um, wanted to check with a family friend about. Um, who was a photographer, but she she and she would get back to me, but she really believed that that I was the right person because of my style. So I think that people will look at my you know photography and realize that this is what they're getting. This is what they're paying for is this style and this this style of photography. It's candid. It's almost photojournalism. It's catching the moment. It's not a studio pose thing. Now, not to say that. I don't try and get kind of group shots and, and you know, it is a bit posed, some shots, but um, for a, a lot of it, I'm just kind of standing there wandering around catching the moment. Um, and, and that's my style. And I, I think that if I was talking to a client or I got the feeling that they were looking for something beyond that, I might say, you know, I don't know that we're a good fit. And um, I, I don't think I would try and, and, and do a shoot where I had an idea in my mind that the client had an expectation of me that that wasn't my style. Good point. Okay, that's great though. And there's a lot of great advice in there as well as just being incredibly interesting. So, does anybody have anything else to add or ask? Okay, if not, not without taking another hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I was um you know the, the thing about pricing i mean that that's true for photography on the whole at the moment and i think we could do a whole podcast on that anyway so i'm not right. even, i'm not even going to get started i think you have to be true to yourself too and i think you have to be i think you have to set in your mind that you're worth right. you know what you're what you're worth and and you don't alter from that i mean because it'll get around you know what i mean if you you, you just have to have it firmly in your mind yeah, and go absolutely. forward Absolutely. 
Okay, so let's. Uh, it sounds like someone's just headbutted the mag microphone. Um, so let's uh, let's move on. Uh, so Phil, what what uh, what are you going to talk to us about? Um, I was going to talk about um, how to use Lightroom uh, to help speed up your workflow. Um, and I guess more than just your normal, you know, you go out and shoot for afternoon, come home, have, you know, 50, 100, 200 images, and trying to get through those fast and get them published somewhere. Um, but more along the lines of uh, doing like a studio shoot, um, I've had a couple uh, occasions lately where I've done some work for people. Um, I've done some product shots um, in my house, kind of in a studio setup. And then uh, last weekend I actually got volunteered to do um, a photo booth at my son's school for a fundraising thing that they were doing. And we had, you know, there's 250 kids in the school. We have, how, I don't know how many shots we were going to do. And we needed to be able to get through all those images and be able to actually print them and give them to people um, on the spot. And to be able to do that quickly on your normal workflow of taking a shot, pull out your, you know, flash card, put it into the camera imp or computer, import it, it takes a lot of time. Um, so a while back I found a method to try to speed that up. And it basically involves attaching your camera to your computer. Um, most computers do this via a USB cable. Um, I know some still use FireWire. Um, and then you can also get some wireless devices to do that. Um, but the basic premise is you take a shot. Um, you have the software that comes with your camera. Import the shot from your camera directly into the computer and puts it into a folder. Um, and then you set Lightroom up to watch that folder and import the photo directly into Lightroom. Um, that process alone takes a ton of time out of your workflow. Um, you, the big benefit you get is you actually get to see the image full screen on your computer. Um, I shoot with a Rebel XT and I've got a little 1.8 inch LCD on the back and trying to see a shot at that small of a screen is really tough to do. Um, Putting it on a you know 15-inch widescreen laptop is a is a big help. Um, so basically, the, the the premise is use whatever software comes with your camera. I shoot Canon, um, so we use Digital Photo Profe uh, Professional. Um, you set that up to dump files into a folder. Uh, I was actually talking with Landon the other day, and uh, he shoots Nikon, and he said Nikon software does basically the same thing. Um, then you set Lightroom up to watch that folder. Mm. And the, the real benefit comes from actually understanding all the functions within Lightroom and trying to automate those. Um, to date, there's no scripting like you could do in Photoshop, um, but there's some uh, what Lightroom calls presets. You go through and you make your adjustments and you set everything up uh, ahead of time, and you can apply those to the images as you import the image into the computer. Um, so what I was doing is I'd take a test shot, um, the, the photo booth situation I had the other week, I had my kids, you know, sit in the scene, um, took a few shots, got the comp composition right, the lighting, all that stuff adjusted, and then pulled the file into Lightroom and made all of my, you know, contrast adjustments and sharpening and saturation um, until the image looked, you know, pretty good. Now you have to kind of get an average base because everybody's you know wearing something different or 
Um, depending on what your situation is, stuff's going to vary. So you kind of have to take an average. But you create that, take that test image and save all the settings as a preset. And then when you set Lightroom up to watch that folder, you apply that preset to the image when it comes in. Mm. Um, and then once you get it into Lightroom, uh, I normally just click on that folder that it's imported into. And I set the filter flags to only show unflagged images and picked images. Um, by doing this, when you pull the file in, and if it's a complete reject, you know, say your flash didn't fire or somebody blinked in the picture, you can hit the X key on your keyboard to mark it as a reject, and the image won't delete, but it'll be hidden from view, and you won't have to manage it. Hmm. Um, and then if you do like it, you can flag it as a pick, and it'll stay in your, in your display. Um, from there, I, I quickly look at it, and if there is some you know, minor exposure adjustments, I'll, I'll normally use the quick develop uh, panel in the library module to, to boost up exposure or contrast. Um, and then from that point, you can do whatever you need to. Uh, in the case of when I did the photo booth, we had to print them. So I immediately took that image, went to the print module. I already had a preset set up for my printer paper um, paper size, the print quality, and just used that template and printed the number of copies that I was needing to print out. Um, so in the, in the course of one evening that we did this, we had 55 people come up and wanted images taken. We printed off almost 80, and we did this all in an hour and a half. Wow. So it was actually pretty quick. And That's everybody was really, really happy with the, the results. And um, they're not, you know, fine art prints or because, you know, we didn't get to tweak each individual one. But it was, it was really good. So uh, it being able to be comfortable with your, uh, your workflow and using those presets with your camera attached to the computer, you can uh, blaze through some images pretty quick in those situations. That's really cool. You know, I, it just shows that, I don't know if you were really, if you really looked into this, I guess it's a question. Um, did, did you look into this before you had the, the problem to solve or was it the problem that, that got you to sort of to take a look into how, how to do this? Um, basically, the, the first time I had it was I was doing some uh, product shots for a coworker of mine that's starting a business, and um, you know I was sitting there in a kind of a studio environment in my house and doing the same repetitive shots over and over again, but just replacing out the product. So the lighting didn't change. The the you know camera was on a tripod, and I kept having to pull the flash card out and put it into the computer, import it to see if you know everything was was adjusted correctly. Um, so I did do a little bit of research online and found somebody that had done something very similar to this, um, but it wasn't quite perfect. Um, and I've gone through and, and adjusted it a little bit. Um, I did find that one of the biggest issues is you got to make sure you have the most updated software from your camera. Um, so Canon Digital Photo Professional, the one I had was uh, a couple versions old and it actually didn't work on my Windows Vista machine. Mm. So getting the software update to uh, make sure everybody's you know, got that before you try starting it. Mm. I, uh, I find it really fascinating. I, I know that, I mean, I've, I've done tethered shooting myself before um, with the Canon software. Um, you know, the, having a problem to solve usually um, is, is the thing that makes us to really sort of connect these things together. 
So although I, I was aware of the, de- the various pieces of technology, I used presets like religiously. Um, but you know, then listening to this and how you've connected it all together, I, I think that's great. You know, it's it really uh, it really shows how uh, how the necessity can uh, can get you thinking. Yep. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Yes, one more thing. I've shot tethered myself, and I did do a test fill after you and I talked offline about um, uh, Nikon Capture Control does the very same thing. You connect your camera via USB, you shoot tethered, and uh, drop it into Lightroom and have the uh, Lightroom look for that um, um, directory, and it works great. Uh, I've shot tethered many times, but usually just direct to the computer. I haven't bothered to go through the Lightroom step, but it is nice. So the only question I had is shooting um, with uh, long shoots and having enough battery power to shoot tethered because for me I noticed that it does kind of suck the batteries down quicker than normal. Have you noticed that, yeah. Phil? Yeah, actually I was um, wondering about that when I started going into this this last weekend and we were, I think I had the camera on for just over two hours um, between setup and you know getting everybody through. Um, I have a, an external battery grip for my camera and I have uh, two batteries in it um, and by the time I got done the battery meter on the back of the camera still said it was fully charged. So I I don't think I'm getting, at least I know I'm not getting any power back through the USB cable um, to power the camera, but the only thing that uh, by leaving it on the entire time that it looked like it was powering was the back LCD screen with your settings. It wasn't um, draining anything because the sensor wasn't on. Um, The LCD on mine doesn't uh, show the settings on your your big LCD, um, so that, that may drain it, but uh, I haven't had any issues, so uh, having that battery grip was, it was a big help, but uh, I guess if you do have issues, you would probably need to get a, an AC power adapter for your camera. Yeah, I haven't had the issue either, I just noticed that you know, it just seemed to drain the batteries quicker than normal, but I was shooting a long time too, it was, I mean, I was connected for um, six hours, so. Yeah, I haven't but gone I, that I too- far yet. I did have a vertical grip and two batteries loaded, and they were fully charged, but I noticed that I did have to take one of the ones out and charge it, you know, halfway through the session, so. Good point. Mm. Okay, so um, if, if nobody has anything else, uh, thanks for that, Phil. That was a great, uh, a great topic as well. I'm, I'm learning so much from you guys today. Um, so I guess the you know, last thing is for me to just uh, talk about my topic, um, I I was really you know like I said I was I was thinking about um, not letting the excitement of the location or the subject sort of get uh, get in the way of your editing or sway your your judgment during editing, and you know I think that this is becoming more of an issue um, because you know it's now possible to sort of view the images on the on the LCD as you shoot them and they look great on there. Um, and then you know, it, it, of course, it's good to be able to see that to get the feedback in the field. So there's there's definitely more pluses to digital than there are, uh, you know, demerits in my opinion. But you know, it also sort of gets our hopes up a little bit more as well. And then, um, you know, we we what we sort of do is we go off to these great places and we'll we'll see sort of a, a beautiful vista, or we'll or we'll be peering through the uh, through the lens at uh, something that uh, like maybe a macro shot of a flower or something. And it all really, you know, sort of gets us all hyped up, and we get excited about the uh, the the end result. And that in itself's good, you know. Being enthusiastic about your work is is necessary, and you know, it's something that we shouldn't do. Uh, you know, we shouldn't change. Um, 
but then what happens is you know that you you end up sort of i guess the other thing as well is is like new kit you know you you can get excited about um, you get a new lens or something uh i mean like me i i got the 85 millimeter f 1.2 uh, a few weeks ago and I, I sort of lived in that lens for a few weeks and it's like you know i mean it's a great lens um but it's really important to, to not allow the excitement for the lens to really get through um and i remember that i was i took a few practice shots um around the around the town and i did upload a couple that i was happy with but it was really difficult for me to to sort of not go and just upload a load more because i was i was just really just excited about the results so this is really what i wanted to go into a little bit more um you know the when you when you get back from a shoot um you know I, what i generally tend to do is i try to um if the, the technology at the moment and the speed of the computers and things is allowing us to post-process really quickly. And if I've got the energy after, you know, say I've driven for like four hours, I often don't do it till the next day anyway. But if, it, if I've shot some images and I get home and I've got the energy, then I, then I will go through and I'll start to mark the ones that I want to delete and then um, the ones that I want to take further in my uh, post-processing, I'll start to sort of flag those as well. But... Um, there are at this time when I'm doing that, there are some images that are kind of borderline, and I'm as you start to get used to the to how this happens, you know, the excitement um, starting to affect how you edit. And uh, I think that you, you know, it's easier to stop doing this. But even even when you when you are used to it, there are always some images that I'm thinking hmm, that that's good. It sort of shows the place, you know, how I want it to. But it's really sort of mediocre, and it's not the sort of thing that you want to be including in your images, uh, in your, in a, especially in a portfolio. I mean, for me, with my, with my online gallery, a lot of it is what I think is, from my own standards, is great work. But then a lot of it is sort of, it is mediocre, but it's there for different reasons. But definitely, if you're working for a, if you're putting together a portfolio, or you're, you're putting together a batch of images to give to a client, you don't want to be including mediocre images. So once I get to the end of my first day or whatever, you know, the first few passes and I've got a list of shots, usually there are images in there that are still mediocre and I'll, I'll, if I've got the, the courage, then I'll, I'll remove them at that point. If not, what I do is I generally tend to leave them in there for another day um, and just sleep on it. And I think that, you know, that even just one night's sleep um, can sort of really, the, the excitement dies down you're not as sort of fired up about the whole thing. And you can look at the, the whole batch of images much more subjectively. And so what I, what I try to do is, um, unless I've just got a, a whole batch of killers that I know are fine and I can get them uploaded straight away, I, I generally tend to sleep on it and then you know, allow myself to calm down a little bit. And really, that, really that's the sort of the main sort of, crux of what I was trying to say and I was wondering if you guys also do anything similar definitely <laughs> I think it's funny because Landon you and I had a discussion about this just recently didn't we via email yeah, yes yes among mm -hmm. other things but yes definitely this one yeah so, I was going to add just real quickly that I, with my client workflow it's all done in Lightroom I hardly ever touch Photoshop anymore so I really rely on Lightroom to speed up my workflow for client shoots and I, I charge more and spend less time in the computer and shoot more. So I think that's good for me. Mm. But what the one thing I, I do is when I, when I take the photos, I look at 
I look at them in the camera and I love them. Mm. When I dump them in the Lightroom, the first 24 hours, I hate them. Because then I start picking them apart, and I said, "Well, I, gosh, I could have done this. Oh, if I if I done this. Oh, the background is this. Oh, you know." So that I just I leave it. I I put them in there. I I back them up. I make sure that there's two or three copies of any client work that I do, and then I leave them. I leave them sit for a minimum of 24 hours, usually 48. I pride myself in you know getting the client their um, files quickly, mm. but I need time to let them sit there. Because when I come back to them within 24, 48 hours later, and they're fresh again, and I look at them subject subjectively, and I just process them out for what they are, I know that uh, the client's going to like it. I don't pick my work apart at that point, and I can process it quickly. I can sit down within 15 to 30 minutes. I can process out a client job, and uh, I, I don't fret about it anymore. But that first day of coming in from the shoot and looking at them, it's the worst time for me to pick the, the, the shots that are going to be the keepers. Mm, I see. Landon, Landon, how many shots would there be that you would end up in the final batch from a shoot? Oh, gosh. It really depends on the client, but, you know, it might be um, um, 20, might be 50. It depends on, totally depends on the client, how many hours they've booked and how much time I've spent, how many setup right. shots I get to do and whatnot. But it's completely variable. But, okay. uh, but uh, I, don't, I used to spend hours fretting about the favorites and having them choose them. And for my workflow, I just I give them the best stuff. So I just, I just output it to them. And I always try to give them more than they expect. So. Right. I, I find it difficult because I, I think the photography that I do is, is so subjective. People have... If it's a photograph of yourself, you have your own idea in your mind about what what slight angle isn't you don't like or what feature you don't quite like. Or if it's if it's a photo of your child, there might be a, a certain look that they have on your face that that I wouldn't necessarily recognize as being, you know, a, a unique look to them, but may speak to the the mother or the father. So I you know I tend to have huge client galleries and, and give them, you know, lots of choice. But sometimes that, that pays off. I had a client, I have two DVD options, and I had a client go with the, the higher price DVD option because, you know, they couldn't narrow it down to their top 15 pictures um, because they like, like, they took all of them. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, I basically just had to finally raise my rates and give them all the good stuff because I couldn't pick, they couldn't pick, and they didn't yeah. pick. So it just became and, a frustration point. And Landon, you know, as you know, once, you, once you've got the gallery up, you've, you've kind of done the processing for the most part. There might be a little bit here and there, maybe a little um, touching up somewhere. But for the most part, it's done. So there, there really isn't that much work. I mean, you have got to process it and, and put it on to, to the DVD, depending on how you package that but um or how you you do your prints but uh, the work is is for the processing work is basically done at that point right 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 yep cool did, did you have anything to add on that phil um other than to say that i it's must be nice not to have kids where you can actually get in there and download your images right away because <laughs> I, I don't seem to have this problem because i never get to look at my stuff for you know a day or two anyway but uh <laughs> No, but it is a good point. Um, I guess I, the question I had for for Holly was, you know, you brought up something of you, you load up the gallery for everybody, but you've already gone through a, a filtering cycle of your own to pull mm -hmm. in good and bad images, right? 
Oh yes, definitely. Okay. Oh, of course, so, because they're they're images that are out of focus or eyes are closed or whatever. So so you know. there you're looking more for the technical piece and then you put up the the ones that are technically acceptable and and technically the... acceptable or or catch a moment um Right. Yeah. But sometimes you know I might have a series of of shots that were shot like maybe five or six that were shot very in a very close space of time but you know it's so subjective like the the shot of the the couple that where I had the outtake picture that was the only outtake that I had that I that I can recall now I have quite a few of them where the, the focus is on the hands extend and you can see them in the background where they're, you know, they're kissing or they're smiling or they're doing different things. And I put up, I don't know, five or six of them because they're, they're every one, they were different. And especially of women, I think women can be a little bit more um, self-conscious of, of their image. And you don't necessarily know, you might think that, that the woman looks great, but she may not like that image for some reason. So, I tend to want to give them the choice and, and not make it my choice about what what I think is is the best of the bunch. Do you know what I mean? Yep. 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 So. Cool. Okay. So, you know, this has been great. We've gone over, I think we're well over an hour. Um, great topics, though. So I think we should probably just sort of start to wrap it up now. Okay. So let's, uh, before we do finish up, um, I, I guess uh, we could... We could go along, and if anybody has any tips, any anything that um, you want to plug, in addition to your own websites and things. Uh, so, Landon, did you have anything? Yeah, I would. After looking at um, what happened tonight, I'd really like to bookend Holly's statements and cover a few little bullet points to help people in their thought processes of uh, doing photography as a business. Mm. And I wanted to um, cover networking is important. Um, sometimes donations are great because it keeps you out there in the face of the public. Um, using coworkers is great, mm. and trade outs can be great too. You can trade out services with uh, maybe a local cafe and get some of your artwork hung in their cafe, things like that. Mm. Uh, the big one I wanted to cover was stay in control, even when you feel you're not capable of doing it, because if you're not in control of the shoot, the problem, the person that will be, is probably not the one you want. Mm. And then the the other thing I was going to say is use the client's names. It really works well so get used to learning their names and using their names on a shoot and then uh, if you can capture expressions and moments um, you're gonna be you know 70 percent there and then the rest of the technical stuff will come and then uh, use an assistant when you can because it really does help with things like wardrobe um, you know behind the scenes stuff that you are not able to you know keep track of uh, and then like I said before um, you know packaging and market marketing and then leave the client with more than what they expect Great. Great tips. Okay. Uh, so, Holly, did you have anything that you wanted to plug? Yes. Um, well, one thing I wanted to suggest is uh, Flickr is great. Um, I'm on a couple of sites, or I should say groups on Flickr, um, for, for doing this kind, of, this kind of business. And it's a great resource and support. And, you know, people that can answer your questions, you can throw up a uh, an issue there and, and people will reply and uh, it's it's a wonderful resource and if you find photographers on Flickr or anywhere that you whose work you enjoy and inspires you if they have a blog bookmark it and, and visit it regularly um, is another great way to kind of keep your work fresh as well to see what other people are doing and, and to get inspiration from other people's work right great points yeah okay Phil anything 
Uh, yeah, uh, last week when uh, I was getting ready to do my shoot at the, my son's school, um, I realized it'd be a great time to hand out business cards, and uh, I didn't have any. Um, and my brother actually pointed me to a great site that integrates with Flickr. Uh, it's called Moo.com, M-O-O, um, and you can actually use Flickr to uh, apply your images to all kinds of different printed media. Um, I selected their little what they call mini moo cards. Um, they're very small business card type things. You put your image on the front, put your contact information on the back, um, and they look great. Um, I get a box of a hundred. You can select up to a hundred different images you want to put on there. Um, I've been showing them to people and they've been you know, flipping through them and picking out which one they like. Uh, it's kind of a fun way to interact with people. So uh, I had a really good experience with them. They're really fast. Um, they print from London. Um, they couldn't find me in Idaho. They shipped through Germany. So <laughs> they must not uh, know uh, where Idaho is in the States. So <laughs> Okay. So so just, just to add to that, Martin, I, that is what I use for my business card is the, is the mini Moo cards. And I actually do them in... Um, Photoshop, they have a, a template and I can do the image and my logo as well if, if the image doesn't work being cropped to the, the little image for the mini Moo card. And it's a great, clients love them because I have my work on there and they can pick, again, they can pick what they like and they've got some examples of your work on that's, them with your contact information. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I've been using them for a year and I've never found a client that didn't find it intriguing and it's a great conversation piece too mm. i remember remember seeing you 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 in the uh the forum you was it uh, with brian um you uh you were talking about some free ones that you got there um to begin yeah, with i signed up for the free ones that they got and then i liked them so much i, I ordered them when they had the promo to get free shipping so that, that's what they want when they start those marketing things i guess yeah but, yeah it's that's, a great way to market yourself yeah so I, I've briefly then wanted to mention um, a general thing that I'm really getting stung with at the moment, and that is um, there are a lot of hardware uh, vendors out there at the moment that are, are slapping Vista-compatible um, stickers on their hardware. And I got, uh, last week in sort of waiting for my, uh, my 1DS Mark III that's on order, I've bought a couple of very fast Lexar uh, compact flash cards, which, which are great. Everything seems to work fine. And I also bought a Firewire 800, which is the really fast um, card reader from Lexar as well. And uh, I didn't have a, the 9-pin Firewire connectors on my computer, so I bought for $70. I had to buy a card to expand that. And then having spent like six hours online in various forums and um, you know, both of these things, of course, say that they su support Vista, but I found out last night from Lexar's support guys that it only supports 32-bit Vista. Um, I don't know if that's really true because I also find out after that that my card also only supports 32-bit Vista. So I, I think that you need to, if you are in the in the market, you know, you're looking around for stuff for your Vista machines. If you use 64-bit, then be very careful to read the small print because you could get bitten. And I'm probably going to end up now having to go back to 32-bit because that's the only way I can get my new hardware to work. So um, just, a, just a, a tip really there for checking the small print uh, with regards to Vista support. And that was really it. So I guess before we finish, we can sort of take a moment to all plug each other's sites. Uh, Landon, do you have anything that you want to plug? 
Well, certainly, I'll just go ahead and give people a plug to uh, where they can find me on the internet. That's always helpful. So if you want to interact with me, you know, the best way to do it would probably be on Flickr. So if you go to flickr.com slash photos slash BK secret photo, you'll find me. And you can also find me on my um, domain at uh, www.bksecret.com. Great. So let's see. So Holly, do you, uh, I guess you, you've got your own website as well, obviously. I, I do. I do. It's uh, hollysissonphotography.com. And there's a link on there to my blog, which tends to be more up to date with the latest pictures on it than uh, sometimes my, my gallery is. Okay. That's great. And Phil, anything? Um, yeah, I'm a big Flickr user uh, like Landon, so uh, you can find me at uh, flickr.com slash photos slash Phil Peck. Um, I post fairly regularly, so find my stuff there. Okay, great. And the only thing that I wanted to plug, um, obviously everyone knows the websites and that, but uh, I did want to quickly mention again the, the workshop that we'll be doing in Hokkaido here in Japan next January. And if you're interested, go over to www.mbpworkshops.com and take a look at that. So I, I really wanted to just, uh, before we do all sort of sign off, I wanted to quickly thank uh, Landon publicly for all of the great work you do around the, the Martin Bailey photography sites and uh, the MBP members gallery. Um, you know, the, you, you help out not only with moderation and stuff like that, but um, you know, you're you're forever contributing um, with with articles and things as a as a member in addition to moderator. So, uh, I wanted to just publicly thank you for all of that because you you know I really really do appreciate all of your help. Well, I'm I'm really happy to contribute, and this keeps me from having to develop my own site, which I know I wouldn't maintain as well. So. <laughs> Uh, and also, you know, the, so then really just um, thanks to Holly and Phil as well, and again for Landon, to Landon for, for joining me today. And it's been great talking to you, and I, I can't wait to get this out and see what the listeners think, because I know they're going to love it. Great. Yep. It was great. Yes, thank, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's it then. We'll, we'll see you all again online, and, and maybe again in a, in a future roundtable if we get a chance to do this again. So thanks very much, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So I was like telling everyone, oh yeah, just use the word collect thing. And they were like, where are you from? <laughs> anyway. Um, the dogs there. <laughs> um, okay, so was that, was that the Dalmatian? Landon? Oh, you heard the ear flapping. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I heard the collar jingling. I, I know that yeah, sound. Yeah. I used to have a dog many years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's been very quiet, but she just now decided to get up. Great. I hope so, because otherwise we have to re-record the whole thing. You know, there's, there's one thing. That was the other thing that I wanted to mention, that I'm... I'm a little bit worried um, because I I was messing around with the PC yesterday, as you have to do before an important call, um, and it, it actually crashed a couple of times over the last 24 hours, and if it does that in the next hour, then there'll be a, a greasy, wet spot on the ground outside my apartment. Um, 
and, and that's generally going to be me splattered there because I'll jump out of the window. Um, <laughs> So I can't get Landon back in, but we'll. Um, computer crashed. Yeah, I think it's probably. You guys are all on PCs, aren't you? Are you on a Mac? Yes, I am. Oh. Oh, got to rub that in, huh? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing this up already. Um, so from from Washington State, do we have to say state? It's got that in your. So from Washington, well, if you say Washington, everybody on the, the eastern seaboard will think it's Washington D.C. So okay, I usually so, tell people it's Washington the state. Okay, so from Washington State, we have. Yeah, cool. and you probably don't want to be mixed up with that either. <laughs> uh, no. What? Well, so then, when I've done that, I'll just leave a. You know, when we've sort of gone in, I'll, I'll make a few more comments about what we're going to talk about. Um, which I assume is still uh, long exposures, ND, and painting with time for you, Landon. Uh, oh, no, I've completely changed it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know you well enough to start laughing there, not crying. Um, <laughs> tell you what. I think the, mod the moderator picks, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, I I'm... I'm generally indecisive, <laughs> and that could be frustrating. <laughs> what it means is that I'm there. So, okay, who wants to go next? Okay, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? So then we we all end up sounding like a um, you know a bunch of indecisive idiots when it's really just me. You know, we've sort of just jumped all over the place after after Phil's topic. But um, does anybody else have anything to add? Question? Did Phil's finish? Uh we, <laughs> were you gone that long? <laughs> Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com.